The Bible says we're to be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God. A couple of things to pray for this morning. I have a note from uh, Lisa Lau. Uh, she had a little uh, baby not that long ago, and she says this, My husband and I want to express our gratitude to you and the church for the prayers, meals, and cards. The support we have received has been overwhelming, and it's greatly appreciated. Uh, so continue to pray for them, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll be able to get this to church uh, real soon. That was pretty quick. My word, Lisa, good to see you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, that was real quick. I didn't see you come in. I'm sorry, but it's good to see you. Good. Are you doing well? Good, 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 very good. All right, um, also keep Grayley Dobbin in prayer. I just learned this morning that she has pneumonia and missed a few days of school this very first week. Um, so pray for her, uh, as well as Sarah Muren's mother, who is in the hospital till Wednesday or Thursday, requiring a blood transfusion, um, several of them. Uh, with a low immune system. So uh, keep uh, Sarah's mother in prayer, who was in hospital till Wednesday or Thursday. Um, also, Darlene Scadden, is she here? Yes, she is. How's your pulled muscles? She doesn't like, you know, she doesn't like to talk in front of like large crowds. You're doing okay? Still there. So keep her in prayer. Uh, pulled a few muscles. Uh, Sandy Snyder had surgery for a broken uh, bone in her leg. Keep uh, her recovery in your prayers, as well as um, uh, Fred Anderson. Uh, he also is going through some uh, therapy. He's not here, is he? I didn't see him, I don't think. Now I'm kind of... Hey, Jim, I see you back there. I'm going to talk about you this morning. All right, I'm just looking around to see who I missed. Uh, keep Frank Kolisch in prayer as well. Uh, Frank, as you know, had a cancerous kidney removed. Um, he did get a little bit of good news. Um, he's not going to be needing the chemo right now, um, but they're going to be checking him, I think, every three months to make sure that the uh, cancer, the tumors in this urinary tract do not spread to the bladder. I think that's the issue now. So, uh, but right now he's not going to have to undergo the chemo, and even the key, uh, the uh, spot that they saw on the lung, they're not sure now what that is. So there was a little bit of good news in, in the bad news. Uh, Keaton Leshko is um, Morgan's. He's not here, is he? No, he is he already in boot camp. All right, keep uh, Keaton in prayer. He joined the U.S. Air Force and headed for basic training. So he's already there. Um, I guess you can imagine, you know, what that looks like with a shaved head and all those things. So um, going to be a different um, situation in which he finds himself. And so uh, pray. This is not always an easy time for these young, these young men. So, a few things that we need to bring uh, before the Lord uh, this morning. And Father, we're thankful that we're able to do so. To be able to come before your presence with thanksgiving is a great joy. We are to be thankful in all things. 
And as uh, the commentator I'm going to read shortly states, it's not an easy thing. One of the most difficult things in the world to give thanks when things are not going well. And yet, Lord, we know that you have a plan. Uh, we know that your will uh, is to be done. Uh, we know, Lord, that all things work together for good. And Father, knowing all of those things, uh, we can be thankful in the situations we find ourselves now. We do thank you for the salvation which you have given to us, full and free, a salvation which is found only in your Son. We thank you for the blood that was shed for the remission of sins. Father, we thank you this morning for these folks who we mentioned. We ask that you, Lord, would work in a special way to just move into their lives and bring comfort, bring peace, bring healing. Father, we're thankful that uh, Lisa is able to be with, with us this morning. We pray that you would watch over her uh, in every way and for this uh, new child that has come into the world. Father, we just ask that, Father, things would go very well. Father, for Sarah's mother, we pray that these blood transfusions would do what they need to do to strengthen her. Uh, we pray that her hospital stay, uh, in that hospital stay, Lord, she might experience your wonderful presence. Pray for Darlene, and we know that, uh, Lord, this uh, is pulled muscles can be a, a real a painful event. Uh, we're thankful that things are better, but, Father, things are not what they need to be. So touch her, I pray, very quickly. And Sandy Snyder as well. Lord, these weeks and, uh, of, of immobility uh, are going to be very difficult. Uh, ten weeks of not being able to put any weight on this foot. So we pray, Lord, for your grace uh, to be sufficient. And for, great, for Frank, Father, we're thankful that the report was, was not that awfully bad. There was some good news in the midst of, uh, Father, the bad news. We thank you that at this point he does not need the chemo. Uh, we pray that the cancer does not spread any further and that, Father, you restore him to good strength. We pray for Keaton, Lord, this young man who finds himself, Lord, in a whole new chapter of his life. We're thankful, Lord, for his, his service and for him volunteering uh, to go into the Air Force. Father, what a commendable thing, and we're proud of this young man for choosing to do that. But now give him strength, we pray. And we pray, Lord, that you might watch over him in those days in which things get rough. Uh, we pray that you might give strength. Help him to find strength in you, Father, in the days of, of weakness. Uh, so we commit him to you as well, as well as all of these on the list. Father, we just are so thankful that we can bring these all before you. Lord, we look now uh, at the purposes of life as we begin a new sermon series. And I do pray, Father, that as we as we go back to the basics, the fundamentals of what life is all about, that you would help us to understand and grasp this material. But Father, we need to know why you have created us, why we exist, why you have placed us here on planet Earth. And so I pray that you would speak clearly to us through that spirit that indwells us and help us to understand Lord, that we have a purpose. You have a plan for us. We just need to get on board. You're a great and mighty God, and we thank you for being with us this day. 
and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us. Just sing, Jesus paid it all.
of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased that I'm never alone because you're a good, good father. Let's sing that together. And I've heard a thousand stories of what think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. 
as you know just what we need before we sing Yahweh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. undeniable I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think let's sing that together and love so undeniable I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly as you call me, and deeper still as you call me, and deeper still as you call me, and deeper still as you love, 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 you're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are. Here we are in September. You know, September seems to be that uh, back to month. Uh, back to school, uh, back to Awana. Uh, we're going back to have the choir to be part of our worship service. And so as I was thinking about September and a new series, I thought, you know, it'd be good for us maybe to go back to something. And so uh, we're going to go back to the basics. It was Vince Lombardi who said, Excellence is achieved by the mastery of the fundamentals. Let me read that again. Excellence is achieved by the mastery of the fundamentals. So we're going to go back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, and ask the question, what on earth are we here for? Why are we here? You know, we're starting up small groups again, but some of you recall back in, uh, I, think, I think it was 2003, uh, we started small groups, and we used a curriculum entitled The 40 Days of Purpose. And we looked at Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, and we looked at that question, because he answers that question in that book. He answered that question during those 40 days. What on earth are we here for? Now some of you watch the Olympics 
and uh, you saw Michael Phelps swim. Uh, he was and is the most decorated Olympian of all time. But you know, he suffered a crisis identity two years ago. He struggled, and then I quote, he said, I was struggling to figure out who I was outside the pool. And so he said, I figured the best thing I could do, because he figured that his life was not worth living, was to just end it. And so he went into a psychological trauma center in Arizona last year, October 2015. And there, a friend of his by the name of Ray Lewis introduced him to the book, The Purpose Driven Life, which he says uplifted him so much that he became Preacher Mike by the fellow patients, and his life changed since then. I believe if you've read the book, or if you were in the small groups, that your life changed. Rick Warren has a way of saying things that just make things come alive. He takes that book, and I have it with me, and this is what he says on page 22. He says, you are not an accident. Your birth was no mistake or mishap, and your life is no fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He was not at all surprised by your birth. In fact, he expected it. Long before you were conceived by your parents, he thought of you first. It is not fate, nor chance, nor luck, nor coincidence that you are breathing at this very moment. You are alive because God wanted to create you. The Bible says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 36, the ultimate goal <coughs> is to glorify God. Your ultimate goal is to bring glory to God. You know, we have that in our purpose statement. The very first statement in our purpose statement of this church is to glorify God. You walk into the fellowship hall and you'll see it up on the wall to glorify God. To God be the glory. So how do we do that? How do we glorify God? Well, Rick Warren goes on to say, and by the way, I am using his book. Um, if you open his book, uh, you'll see a lot of the material that I'm going to be using in this series. But he says this as he says and asks the question, how can I bring glory to God? If that's our ultimate purpose, to bring glory to the Almighty God, how do we do that? And so he breaks it down into five purposes. Number one, we bring God glory by worshiping Him. We bring God glory by worshiping Him. Secondly, we bring God glory by loving other believers, which is fellowship. Now these are the purposes that he states. First of all, worship. Second, fellowship. Third, we bring God glory by becoming like Christ. That's discipleship, the third purpose. Fourth, we bring glory to God by serving others 
using our gifts. That's ministry. That's service. And the fifth purpose, we bring glory to God by telling others about Him. That's evangelism. That's missions. These are the five purposes that we're going to look at in the next five weeks. Starting today with worship. The first purpose, the first reason why you are here on planet Earth is to worship God. To worship God. He entitles the chapter, We Are Planned for God's Pleasure. You were planned for God's pleasure. You know, we often think that life is all about me. Well, it is not. You know, you talk to some people and you, you just get that feeling that life is all about them. Well, I have news for you. Life is not about you. But the Bible says life is all about God. I have a short uh, video that I'd like for you to see. Do we have that, Tony? I look up and I see God. I look down and see my dog. Simple spelling. G-O-D Same word backwards D-O-G They would stay with me all day I'm the one who walks away But both of them just wait for me And dance at my return with glee Both love me no Divine God and canine mutt. I take it hard each time I fail, but God forgives. Dog wags his tail. God thought up and made the dog. Dog reflects a part of God. I've seen love from both sides now it's everywhere amen bow wow i look up and <laughs> is it over you know i i spoke uh i think over the years of of the different theologies that's found in animals uh, dog theology and cat theology uh, if you were here, uh, you probably uh, recall, you know, there's a difference between cats and dogs, right? Cats very independent, dogs very re dependent. And, um, you know, you look at your dog and, and you feed your dog and you groom your dog and you, you pet your dog and the dog looks up at you and says, you must be God. Now you feed your cat and you pet your cat and you groom your cat and the cat looks up at you and says, I must be God. Big difference between cats and dogs. If you want to know why you have been placed here on this planet, it doesn't begin with you. It doesn't begin with you. It begins with God. 
We need to understand that it all begins with God. We need to know God's purposes and God's plans. We're not to be like cats and say, it's all about me. No, no, no. It's all about God. You see, typically we, we begin at the wrong starting point when it comes to understanding God's purposes. We ask questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my ambitions and my goals and my dreams? We need to begin with God, our creator. The God who designed us and made us the way we are. God, what is it that you want? You know, last week I opened the sermon with a story. A story about my wife having a dream about a diamond necklace. And I don't know how many people spoke to me later about that story and thought it was true. I apologize to those of you who walked away from that sermon and thought that she really had a dream. It was completely made up. I'm going to have to be more clarify, I suppose, afterwards whether I'm telling the truth or lying I try to tell the truth in the pulpit, but sometimes I say things and I, I think, well, you just should know that that's not true. <laughs> but I guess I'm going to have to say it. But that was a completely made-up story. But I did mention last week also about the desire to have a new Mustang. You know, having a 1968 Mustang as my very first car. And lo and behold, someone gave me a package last week. And I opened the nicely wrapped package and inside was a model now you know when i was a kid i loved models didn't you didn't you love models i used to love models you know it was a it was a model of a 1968 fastback gt now i haven't put a model together in years and years but i'm anxious to put this together but, you know, they don't make models today as they did back when I was 10 years old. <laughs> I mean, this thing is, it, it, I haven't opened the bags yet, and I didn't start painting and gluing and all of those things, but I'm anxious to do it. But I looked at the instructions of how this whole thing is to be put together, and I, I tried to figure out, you know, what colors and how the, this goes together. You know, you look at instructions, why? Because there's a certain way that this goes together. You want to start doing, you know, this over here when you should have started with this over here. When I think of why we are here on earth, why we exist, why God gave us another breath this morning, we have to go to God's instruction manual. God designed us. God created us. And we have to go and ask God, God, what is it? What is it? that you want what are your plans for me what are your purposes for me rather than trying to figure these things out ourselves and the first purpose that god gives to us is worship he wants for us to worship him we are planned for god's pleasure we exist for his benefit his glory his purpose his delight and bringing pleasure to God is called worship and worship is not to be just a part of our lives 
Worship is to be our life. We often think that, you know, this is the time of worship. When we walk through those doors, this is when we worship. Well, it is. And everything we do when we come into the sanctuary is to be worship. You worship when you put your tithe in the white box. You worship when we have a time of greeting. You are worshiping as you sing the songs and as we pray. This is all worship. But it doesn't stop at 11.15 when you leave church. Worship is to be a lifestyle. Worship, Worship can be done anywhere and at any time. It's not just here. On Sunday morning, there are verses such as those in Colossians and 1 Corinthians where it speaks about doing everything as though you're doing it for God. And when you do that, it becomes worship. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And as you do this for the glory of God, as you do this as working for the Lord, it becomes worship. Martin Luther said this. He said, a dairy maid, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. Can milk cows to the glory of God. Your work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God and you do it for His glory. So pleasing God Bringing glory to God is the first purpose. So how do we do that? I like, again, what Rick Warren often says. He uses different words to help us understand uh, uh, different ideas. Uh, He says, we need to make God smile. Bringing pleasure to Him. Glorifying Him. All that we do needs to bring a smile to the face of God. Back in Genesis chapter 6, we read of a man, his name was Noah. And the Bible says that Noah, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, it says that he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, in Rick Warren's words, Noah made God smile. Noah brought pleasure To God. Noah found favor in the eyes of Almighty God. So the smile of God, according to Rick Warren, and I quote, the smile of God is the goal of our lives. We need to make God smile. We need to make God smile. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. You know, I'm not sure we have time to read this entire uh, text. I think we're going to forego that right now. But I'm going to refer to a couple of verses uh, in chapter 6. The first thing that makes God smile is when we love Him. The first thing that makes God smile is when we love Him. In this account, Noah, the Bible says, was the only man who made God smile. He was the only one who found favor in the eyes of God. Everybody else was corrupt. God was going to destroy the world with a flood because in the eyes of God, every person he made was evil continually. 
except for Noah. Noah was the one man who loved God when everyone else did not. We read that he walked with God. He walked with God. He had this intimate love relationship with God. We read of another man back in the Old Testament, earlier back in the book of Genesis, where uh, he also walked with God. His name was Adam. And Adam walked with God, but then he fell. He ate of that forbidden fruit. And the Bible says that after he sinned, God came to the garden and was walking in that garden, only to discover that Adam was hiding himself in guilt and shame and sin. You see, we're not walking with God today. Mankind is not. The Bible says that we're not, we don't come into this world and automatically we're in this love relationship with God. The Bible says we're at enmity with God. That we have gone astray. All we're, we're like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. That's the story of mankind. Mankind has sinned against God. And so we need that relationship with God before we can ever love God. And that comes through faith in Jesus. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Yes, we're like sheep going astray. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died in our place. He shed his blood so that we might have our sins forgiven. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God, he so loved the world. He so loved the world. See, God loved you first. God loved you first. And he wants you to come into that relationship with him through faith in Jesus. And then once we're in that relationship, we're able to love God back. We're able to love God back. Nothing makes God smile more than when we love him. Something else makes God smile. It's when we trust him. It's when we trust him. In Ephesians chapter 11 and verse 7, back in that great faith chapter, it speaks about the great faith of Noah, where God comes to Noah and says, I want you to build me an ark. I want you to build me a ship, a great big ship. God said to Noah, I'm disappointed with the world. I am disappointed in those things that I have made. But Noah was the man who could trust God. Noah, I'm going to flood the world but I'm going to save you and your family. I want you to build me this, this ark, this boat that's going to save the world. And the Bible says that Noah trusted God. Now, I would have all kinds of questions for God. First of all, God, a flood, rain. At this point, he hadn't seen rain. God irrigated the world from the ground up, not from the heavens down. What is rain? I would also ask God, what about the water? <laughs> you know, the ark where he's building the ark is hundreds of miles from the nearest large body of water. How is this thing going to float here on dry ground? And then the animals? Are you kidding me? To round up all of these wild animals and somehow get them all onto this ship? But the Bible says that Noah trusted God. 
you would have to trust God to start building a ship, to start building an ark, which took him 120 years. 120 years with no sign of rain. I'm sure he was criticized by all of those there who watched him build. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That we are to live by faith and not by sight. We are to live by faith and not by sight. Noah lived by faith. He didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what rain was and what a flood looked like. How he was going to get all these animals on the ark once it was built. But he lived by faith and he trusted God. In what areas do you need to trust God this morning? Trusting God is, is an act of worship. Trusting God brings a smile to the face of God. But there's something else that makes God smile, and that's when we obey Him. When we obey God, He is pleased. Noah had to do everything that God instructed him. God didn't come to Noah one day and said, listen, I want you to build me this ark, but you know, you go ahead and figure out all those dimensions and sizes and materials. God clearly laid out all of the instructions, detailed instructions, as the size and shape and materials and the number of animals that were to come onto that ark. All of that was spelled out. And we read in chapter 6 and verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded. Everything. He had to in order for this thing to work. No wonder God looked down on Noah with favor. No wonder God was pleased with this man. No wonder God smiled down upon him. Noah had no hesitations, no reservations, no objections. Noah simply obeyed God. And in that obedience, we see this wonderful act of worship. Why is obedience so pleasing to God? Why does God so desire us to obey Him? When God commands, why is it that God wants us to not question, but just do it. Well, we read in verses like John chapter 14 and verse 15, that if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. You see, I believe that obedience and even trust, let's throw trust in there. When we trust God and we obey God, it is saying, God, I really do love you. It's proof that we love God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I remember one time we did that little trust fall, and I forget who it was I called to the front and stood here on the platform, and I was down on the floor. And I said, go ahead, fall into my arms. And, um, you know, if, if I forget if he or she actually did that. I think they did. But, you know, if, 
a stranger were to be standing there and said, fall into my arms, I doubt whether a child would fall back into their arms. First of all, you need to trust this person. You need to know this person. You need to love this person if you're going to obey this person when he says, fall. Well, God said to Noah, do this. And Noah loved God. And Noah trusted God. And therefore, he obeyed God and did everything that God commanded. There's this fourth thing that I read in this text. And it's that God smiles when we thank him. God smiles when we thank him. The first thing that Noah did when he came off the ark. The flood is over. He and his family, they survived these waters. And over in chapter 8 and verse 20, it says this. It says, Then Noah, he built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. God smiles when we thank him. This was a thank offering in which Noah offered to his God. The Bible says quite clearly in many different places, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. We read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? This is the will of God. It is God's will that we give thanks to God in all circumstances. You know, there's a verse that precedes that verse, and it's pray without ceasing. And if you go to a verse, the verse before that, it says be joyful always. Be joyful always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because we know that God is working out His purposes. We know that God is working out His plans. That's why we can give thanks. That's why we can be joyful always. Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote a commentary on 1 Thessalonians, and in it he says this. He says, In everything give thanks. This is one of the most difficult things to do. It's easy to thank God when everything is running along smoothly. But when the bottom drops out of life, can you still say, oh, thank God that things are going wrong. But this is what Paul means. And if we understand and believe that God controls all circumstances and that all things are working together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, then we can thank God even for the unpleasant things, realizing that He is working out His ultimate purpose in them. What brings a smile to the face of God is when we are a thankful people. We need to live life being thankful 
in all things. Rick Warren, then what he does after he lists these four things that make God smile, he then has a chapter entitled, The Heart of Worship. The Heart of Worship. And he says, the heart of worship is surrender. The heart of worship is surrender. And surrendering to God is fleshed out in these four areas that we just looked at. A person who is fully surrendered to God is one who is going to love God. One who is fully surrendered to God is one who is going to obey God and trust God, and thank God. The heart of worship is surrender. Surrendering ourselves to the Almighty God who is in control. And then he says that the supreme example of surrender is Jesus himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember when Jesus, the night before he was to be crucified, the agony that Jesus was in when he prayed to his father. And he said, Father, and remember who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's omniscient. Jesus knows what's on the horizon. Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross. Jesus knows the pain, the suffering. He knows all of that. He anticipates that. So he comes before his father, knowing all that is going to take place, and says, Father, if there's any way that we can avoid this pain, this, this cup of suffering, take it away. Take it away. But then he says this, but not my will, not my plans, but yours be done. And Jesus surrendered himself fully to his Father's will. The heart of worship is surrender. The heart of worship is saying, God, it's not my plan. It's not my purposes, it's not my will, but Father, yours be done. I came to the end as I, as I was studying all of this this week, and, and I said, my goodness, Lord, I, I'm coming almost back to the same conclusion as last week. Last week we talked about God interrupting our plans, but that's okay. Because when God interrupts our plans, he's simply bringing his own plans into play. We're not to look and say, my will, but God, your will be done. And so I'm going to conclude, actually, the same way we concluded last week. I have a music video that I'm going to play again. But I want to give you a little bit of history. You know, when we sing our hymns, uh, there are times when we speak about a hymn history. Uh, why did the author write this? 
why these words? Why these lyrics? And so I kind of went and searched the reason for the song that I played last week. It was written by a young lady, a young mom, a wife. Her name is Hillary Scott. And this is what she said. She said, I wrote this song about a very recent experience that left me heartbroken, asking why, and facing some of the most difficult days of my life. This song is my letter to God. So as you listen to these words, these are the words, this is a letter that she's writing to God. As I ask some really hard questions, I hold on to the truth that there's so much to the story of my life that I can't see. But I still chose to trust God. You know, that reminds me of Noah. There was so much that Noah couldn't see, so much that lied ahead of him, but he still chose to love and trust and obey God. Now you've asked the question, what was this event? What was this heartbroken event? Last year in the fall, 2015, she and her husband Chris were expecting their second child, only to lose the baby to a miscarriage. That's the history behind this hymn. Maybe it's not a miscarriage in your life. But maybe there is a t- it is a heart-breaking time for you. And so I play this song as a conclusion to all that has been said.
Let's stand. Let's stand together. Father, we pray that we, as your children, that we might be so surrendered to your perfect will that, Father, we might be surrendered to your plans and your purposes. And though, Lord, we may not understand, though, Lord, our hearts may be breaking, though we might be confused and have questions, help us to understand, Lord, you're still in control. You control all things. And so, Father, we come this morning to surrender and worship you, our God, our creator, our designer. You have made us. Please, Lord, guide us and direct us and help us to trust you and love you and obey you. And we will thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. the storm you remain in control and in the middle of the war you guard my soul 